Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchrude. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. My name is Grace Evans. I'm here with Moses Bratchard. I just wanted to quickly give a plug for our social media before we jump into our episode today. You can follow us at MN Family Council on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram to get daily, weekly updates on everything we're up to. Definitely go ahead and follow us on all of those platforms. Also follow us on YouTube, again, at MN Family Council to make sure you're up to date on all, all of the things we're posting on all our platforms, especially our Instagram. We're very active on there. Anyways, without further ado, though, let's jump in, let me give you a rundown of everything we will be discussing on today's podcast. First, Moses and I will give you a brief legislative update on especially the recent abortion bill, the House Health Omnibus Abortion Bill, or the Health Omnibus Bill that includes abortion provisions, I should say, to be really technical there. We'll give you an update on that. We want to also share with you a recent poll from NPR that shows that Americans want restrictions on abortion. So in other words, most Americans actually support life, which is what we've been saying for years and years everybody in the back most americans support life there it is we've been saying it for years and here we go here's more polling to prove us right we will also discuss a recent article that came out that basically called minnesota a left-wing experiment which is the facts i mean it feels like we're kind of lab rats here in minnesota and we don't know what's coming next it's like what next policy is going to happen yeah yeah and i don't know if if uh, you guys as the audience have uh, have telegraphed this yet but grace and i don't like that no that feeling of being lab rats Trapped. so we'll talk about that a little we'll bit talk more. about that we'll break that down for you guys and then we will also discuss a recent controversy <laughs> with children's minnesota uh which is you know, one of our children's hospitals here in Minnesota, the most common one, and how they're affirming gender care, so-called gender care, I should say. Uh, So we'll talk about that, some controversy surrounding that. We might get to a fourth or a fifth story. If we do, it'll be about something pretty exciting that's happening in Florida that we want to alert you to. Uh, But without further ado, let's jump in because we do have a good amount of things to cover today. Um, So Moses, let's talk about the legislative update. Let's talk about this health omnibus bill that has those abortion provisions. Um, so it's it's already been heard in the conference committee. Is that correct? Has it moved forward at all? So my understanding is that, so there's the conference committee is five members from the Senate mm-hmm. and five members from the House, and they meet together and they probably have um, coffee and snacks, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's closed door. I, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, you, you can't just go in there and watch them do that unless there's a special invite. Um, I won't, I'm not going to swear to that, but I think that's true. And so the, what they're doing is they're trying to hash out the differences between the version of the health omnibus bill passed by the Minnesota House and the version passed by the mm-hmm. Minnesota Senate. So they need to, uh, they need to, the bills need to be identical so that they can then pass again in both bodies and then go to the governor. That's uh, that's how passing a bill works. So the, but the, the omnibus bills... Uh, hence the name, as we've discussed before, are very long. Mm -hmm. So there are potentially a lot of differences between the House and Senate versions. In this case, the House version contains all of these nasty abortion um, provisions that we've been talking about almost since day one. Um, The HF91 SF70 provisions repealing uh, Infants Born Alive Protection Act, repealing women's right to know, uh, killing the... um, uh, killing the unborn, but also killing the positive alternatives program and that gives people alternatives to abortion. Another thing that this 
omnibus bill includes is it removes the uh, it removes the state abortion data collection and reporting, which right now abortion facilities Moses are required to actually report if they're performing abortions and exactly how many they're performing. All of that information is supposed to be reported, which is why we can say, okay, we know how many abortions were performed in Minnesota this year, right. and we can see if they're going up, if they're decreasing, if they're increasing, all of those things. And that's really important to us to know how are we doing on the fight for life? Like how many lives were saved this year? Um, how how many children were aborted this year? We need to know those things. Well, under this bill, if this was passed, this would not be the case. It would not be required. And of course, abortion facilities are not just out of the kindness of their heart going to decide to report this if it's not right. required. No. They're not going to do that because they want you to believe that they don't really perform abortions. That's what they want you to believe, even though that's where they make their most money. So of course, they do a lot of them. So that would re be repealed. Um, additionally, uh, it would expand taxpayer funding of abortion on demand here in our state, which has already been expanded, of course, under PRO Act. But I do want to note that this this whole bill is not just a footnote to PRO Act, it's, um, which we've discussed before in the podcast. It is a massive expansion uh, to abortion in Minnesota because it strikes down all of the things Moses mentioned, the two things I mentioned. It, it strikes down, it removes so many things. So the only remaining, I would say, the only remaining provisions and protections for women, the only remaining uh basically limits on abortion in Minnesota would be stripped away if this passed. Right. And the positive alternatives thing yes. is, is such a great example of something that everyone should, everyone should, emphasis on should, agree is a good idea. Just um, we all know that um, there are alternatives to abortion and women should be given access to those alternatives. And the state should encourage women to carry their children to term, connect them with maternity resources, connect them with adoption resources if necessary. The idea that the state should not be doing that is absurd. But we can't have the state doing that anymore because abortion is the best thing. It's literally the best thing that you can do. It's self-care, right? And so hence we get um, we get legislators, progressive legislators who want to cut positive alternatives. Right. So here's what you can do about this. We sent out an email the other day um, uh, telling you to send a message to the 10 members of the conference committee asking them, please remove these harmful abortion provisions from the final version of the health omnibus bill. And we're, we're praying and we're hoping that legislators will listen to the voice of the people on that one. Um, hundreds and hundreds of people have already taken action and sent that message. So thank you so much if you've done that. If you would like to send that, uh, if you don't get MFC's emails, and if you would like to still send that message, I'm wondering um, if that's been shared on our Instagram or social um, media. That has not been shared, but it will be shared today. Okay, yep. awesome. So by so, the time you see this, it will be on our social media. Yeah, and that, that's it is one of the most important things we can do, right, is tell legislators mm -hmm. so that they actually hear from real people, please do not make Minnesota an abortion mecca, as we've discussed mm -hmm. before. So um, that segues really well into why... Mm -hmm. why it's a bad idea, yeah. um, among many other reasons. It would be a bad idea even if everyone was in favor of it. But this idea that we've been hearing uh, from Democrats, and I have a great quote on this. Actually, I'm going to share it right now. Please do, yes. Um, so uh, uh, in in Tim Walls, uh, Governor Walls, in this, this other article, he said, this isn't about jamming down Democratic priorities. These are proven things that improve people's <laughs> lives. Well, laugh. Proven things that kill innocent children yeah. and hurt women. <laughs> he said his party's policy goals, quote, are not are about not allowing our people to be demonized because of Republicans wanting to go to war on social issues. I just 
that whole dichotomy, what is he doing there? He's actually demonizing the people that are standing up for life. He's yeah. like, this is not about allowing people to be demonized. So what he's saying is that if you are a Minnesotan and you stand up for the sanctity of human life, that therefore you're demonizing the people that are fine with baby murder. That's what right. he's saying. He's saying, right. oh, you need to be loving. You need to be tolerant. You need to be accepting. And so in my mind, what this really plays into is the whole idea that abortion is just a matter of personal preference. Because if abortion were just a matter of personal preference, then and yeah, it would be pretty rude for people to be out here on the streets being like, don't do this. But guess what? It's not a matter of personal preference. Right. A woman can go decide what kind of haircut she wants to get. She can decide what color she wants her nails well, to be. Well, I mean, within reason. She can. <laughs> Moses, here we have a legal list. No. Okay. We have, you can decide what color you want your nails to be painted. You can decide where you want to live, who you want to marry. That's awesome. Those are all personal preferences. And so if someone was trying to say, oh, you can only paint your nails blue. You can't ever paint them pink. That, of course, would be a weird demonization of our personal preference. But we know that moral issues are not a matter of personal preference. There right. are some things that are just morally wrong. And so I have a really big problem with that statement because in saying we don't want our people to be demonized, he's demonizing everyone that actually stands up for the preborn. There it is. And, and Governor Walls, again, gaslighting yep. the majority of Minnesotans who want restrictions on abortion as this NPR poll makes clear. So again, this is a national poll, but Minnesota polling numbers show pretty much exactly the same thing. And that is two out of three Americans want abortion to be illegal completely or legal only in the case of rape, incest, or the life of the mother is at risk, or limited and banned after the first trimester. Now that is a huge majority, mm -hmm. two out of three. Now, 75% of independent voters feel the same way. That's three out of four independent voters. And again, those are those swing voters mm -hmm. who, um, uh, who swing elections one way or the other, hence the name. So I find this this poll interesting because um, uh, there, there's some interesting numbers. I, I, I like the way the poll was done. There's uh, It asks uh, some questions that get down below the headlines. So mm -hmm. one thing that I found interesting is how uh, last year at this time in May 2022, only 27% of Republicans supported a heartbeat abortion ban. And you know what? Like, we're happy to lead the charge on that. Like, it's okay to be ahead of popular opinion on banning the murder of children. Okay, it's fine. We don't care that, um, that, you know, not everyone is with us on that particular issue yet. However, we're moving in the right direction because now the polling numbers are saying that 40% of Republicans nationally are in favor of a heartbeat ban. And I really want to give credit to Governor Greg Abbott mm -hmm. in Texas and other pro-life leaders. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, although the Florida's um, heartbeat bill was very recent. So I'm kind yep. of thinking of those those, oh, those yep. leaders who even last year and even before Dobbs mm -hmm. um, passed heartbeat legislation that would then go into effect yes. immediately. So when, amazing. It gives me chills, yeah. like good chills thinking about it. Of just these brave men and women who put their careers on the line to push this legislation. And just, I mean, I have a friend in, I think Louisiana is where she lives. And she works for a local pregnancy resource center and does communications and speaking events and things for them. And just how amazing it is that Louisiana completely protects human life now. Like they had so all great. the legislation in place. And as soon as the Dobbs decision came, as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, boom, the pregnancy resource centers were so needed. The abortion facilities completely shut down. It was not legal for them. Like that is just so amazing. That's the power of the pro-life movement. That mm -hmm. is the power of 50 years of hard work of being faithful. And just it's an encouraging to me, even though we live in such a different state, that, okay, if we really hustle and if we're faithful for the next 5, 10 20, 50 years, however many years it takes, 
God really can do amazing things. All we can do is plant the seed and water, but God will give the growth. Mm-hmm. And so it, it gives me so much hope. And I'm just so grateful for those that came before us, Moses, because we're Absolutely. relatively new to this fight. But there are people that have been fighting this since before we were born. Yes. That's that's such a good reminder. And, you know, I just I just would ask people, you know, do you want Minnesota to be a state that protects kids? Like that's where it mm-hmm, comes down to. Mm-hmm. We see states that do like Louisiana, like Tennessee, like Texas, like Florida. And we see states that don't like Illinois or Massachusetts or California. And uh, which 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 path will we choose? You know, we're in the middle of the country and we are pulled in two different directions and we need to pray that God will help us move the momentum in the other direction towards protecting life. One other number, Grace, that I wanted to highlight from this poll Mm. that is not quite as uh, positive is um, whether people are asked which party they trust more on the abortion issue. And 41% of of Americans trust Democrats more on the abortion issue. 25% trust Republicans more. So that's about a 16% difference. So why then would people trust Democrats on this issue? And I think there there is probably a trust issue with the Republicans on a lot of social issues. Historically, um, women and swing voters, independents, have seen Republicans as being harsh or unfeeling, too willing to uh, cut things like mm. Social Security or uh, or welfare benefits. Um, just harsh, you know, that they're, they're supposed to be the party of big, big business and Democrats are the party of big government. And sometimes those things are true and sometimes they're not. So people people have this perception and that perception might be that Republicans are going to move really fast to uh, to do X, Y or Z. And so I just I just wonder what if, if you know, I, I'm not a Republican um I'm not a registered Republican. I'm I'm uh, I'm just giving advice, friendly advice, which would be I think Republicans really do need to get the message right. Absolutely. And I think Amen. the message that you know, this is just me guessing, but I think what people want to hear is, uh, you know, we we see that you know two thirds of the population wants abortion limits, so let's do that. Mm-hmm. But let's also talk about spending actual tax dollars to help women mm-hmm. and those ba- those babies who will be born instead of aborted. Mm-hmm. We're going to need to spend money if we're going to make an investment in humanity and in, in in bringing more children into the world. And some of those kids are going to be in low income homes in in unstable family situations. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of the cause of life. We're, we want to bring all those kids into the world because that's so much better. God is so much more glorified in that. And those kids have a chance to make their lives great when they, when they <laughs> instead of no chance at all. But we need to have that support network in place. And crisis pregnancy centers mm-hmm. are a huge part of that. Local churches are a part yes, of that. Yes, churches. But, you know, just like with positive alternatives, yeah. the government has to actually be in favor of children being born. Like the, the, <laughs> right. it, it's crazy that we have to say that, but, um, but children that's are what not needs burdens; they're blessings. Yeah, that's the facts. Right, and we also need more of them as a country. Like yes. our birth rate is cratering. I won't yep. go on that. I won't go tangent, on that tangent. The please. natalism tangent. Yeah, I do have a quick comment, just kind of off of your can- whole point about candidates and voting and why we need strong candidates. I just. We've seen throughout the past, I would say past few years, but especially the last election, how much our country and our state needs strong leaders. Now, what we don't want is we don't want squishy Republicans who are saying they're mostly pro-life or they're personally pro-life. That's not what our state needs. That's not what our country needs. Actually, we see candidates win when they are unabashedly, boldly, no exception, pro-life from womb to tomb, when we see them really 
stand up for the things that matter, when we see them stand against the mutilation of children, stand against the murder of children, stand up for the nuclear family, stand up for school choice, that's when we see them win. When we see them fail to compromise, it's when all of these, when all of these different candidates that are like, they say they're Republican and they say they're pro-life, but then they're kind of squishy. That's when we lose. But when we get someone like Ron DeSantis, who's not perfect, but someone like Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott, when we see people like that, they win because they don't compromise on these issues. Absolutely. And so Republicans slash Christians slash conservatives, a lot of us lay people that are obviously for all these biblical values, what we want to see is candidates that aren't going to compromise and be wishy-washy. And so that is my encouragement is if – for, we, we need to vote for only the people that are truly going to stand up for these values without like sitting back and saying, oh, well, we can compromise a little like, you know, mutilation is fine or, you know, abortion's fine in the first trimester. No, guys. No, no, no. You're not going to win if you do that. And it's also not right. And God's not going to be happy with you when you get to heaven. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we can't. Ultimately, we cannot. Uh, can't compromise on right. on the things that are most important, and protecting life is one of those things. I think I think that's a good segue mm-hmm. into uh, this this NBC article, which I just find funny. And it's I, so funny because by NBC, yeah. And I'm not going to spend much time on this, Grace. But okay. I, I did want to I did want to highlight a couple things. So I'll just read a quote. When Minnesota Democrats won back the majority in the mm-hmm. state Senate last fall, they achieved a dream. The dream. The dream. I, the, the dream, yeah. The dream, guys. The only one they had, and that is true because – Power uh, and money and yeah. ways to make people's lives miserable and kill children and mutilate children. A- absolutely. <laughs> a trifecta of control across the legislature and the governor's office. It's Minnesota that's attracting attention as a laboratory for how to effectively <laughs> use that. Oh, great. So uh, <laughs> there's that laboratory with lab rats Ooh, in the cage. High five, and, Moses. And we, Thriving. We the thing about it is that we we um, we can't we can't escape. We can go to another state, but that's not what we're going to do. We're going to take over the laboratory. That's right. um, so uh, it's like the rats of Nim. Have you read that book? I love that book. Yes. <laughs> We're the rats of NIM, you guys yeah. know, the rats of MFC or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so watch out, guys. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> As a laboratory for how to effectively use that power to achieve progressive policy priorities. <laughs> Nearly four months into the legislative session, Democrats in the state have already tackled protecting abortion rights. Notice wow. this phraseology. Protecting abortion rights. Yeah. Hmm. Promoting the murder of children. <laughs> right. Legalizing Subtext. legalizing repre- recreational marijuana and restricting gun access. Taking actually, away our I, rights. I'm sorry, but I'm not actually aware of any meaningful gun control things that they've done. Mm. I don't think that I missed that. They may have advocated for it, but I don't think they've actually done it. It says they've tackled protecting. Okay, so there we go. I think that... Weasel words. Mm. And they have signaled, signaled their plans to take on issues like expanding paid family leave. See, that is was on the floor a few days ago. So that they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And providing legal refuge to trans youths. Oh, okay. Legal refuge to trans youths. That is such... Remember, like Sorry, this, you can rant. Go ahead. No, no. Like, guys, this is the kidnapping bill, okay? This, we're not <laughs> talking refuge. about what that means is kids from other states coming here to get something that their parents have said is not right for them and is not right for them because it's experimental and extremely harmful. And Minnesota wants to be a center for that, and just like, just like, uh, uh, just like the state has said, we want to be a center for abortion. One thing that I we talked about how abortion rates have gone up in Minnesota since stops, and I did see a number the other day that it was up sixty six percent, which is insane. I need to confirm Wait, that, that abortion number. rates are up that much. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, that was. Wait, I need in to Minnesota? Confirm. Yeah, in Minnesota. Okay, I was going to say, because nationwide it's plummeting. No, na- nationwide it's plummeting, but yeah. people are coming from out of state to get abortions here, and so those numbers are going up here in Minnesota. <laughs> just, okay, sorry. The whole, they provide legal refuge to trans youths. Like, it's just, it's such, 
euphemisms. I know you already said it, but it's just, this is called, actually what they're doing is they're providing it to be, they're, they're making it possible. They're giving the government the power to kidnap children from their parents. That's right. what they're doing. The euphemisms, it's like the whole pro, it's all the, like the pro-life abortion debate. It's, it's the same thing. Like they call murder healthcare and here they're calling mutilation and kidnapping healthcare. Right. Crazy. Anyways. So I think the only thing that I thought was actually accurate about this article. I mean, some of the facts obviously are mm-hmm. accurate. We right. are being experimented on and delightful. Um, and that is that is how they put it in the article. I'm not putting words in their I just, mouth. I think it's funny because they're acting like it's a good thing. Right. It's yeah. Like- <laughs> Yeah, they have all these people like Senator Tina Smith and all these Democratic strategists saying how wonderful it is that oh, Minnesota can be a beacon of light. And beacon like, of death and mutilation. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really bad. And then um, so the, the only really, I think, true and insightful thing is that uh, when one party controls every branch of government, the article says, they often go too far mm-hmm. and voters punish them for it. That is true. We've seen that historically many times. And I think we can expect that to happen in Minnesota. We can certainly pray for it. And I also think that if we just if we just tell people what the what the progressive majority has actually done, we're pretty much 85% of the way to getting them to a place where they consider voting for someone else. Because we're, again, talking about things that people do not support. Taxpayer-funded elective abortion throughout nine months of pregnancy. Find any poll. I challenge you. Dare I dare you. Find any poll that shows the Minnesotans want that. You can't because they don't. So we talked, you know, this article is, a lot of it is about abortion and gender. Grace, you have been doing a little bit of a dive on Children's Minnesota, mm-hmm. our state's premier children's research hospital, mm-hmm. and and they have come to the forefront of this issue. And they really have. I'm wondering why that is and what can we do about it? Yeah. So they recently celebrated uh, Governor Tim Wall signing the bills that we warned you about. And we've warned you about them. So they signed the bill into they signed this bill into law last week. This this bill that makes Minnesota quote a safe haven for children seeking puberty blockers. So again, this is the kidnapping bill. Um, and so in light of this, they basically two kid experts is what they call them. Um, so two of the doctors in the pediatric care uh, organization were invited to witness the governor sign those bills into law. So let me just quickly refresh you on those bills again. One is the kidnapping bill, but then one is the is the bill that actually bans conversion therapy. And conversion therapy, again, is when someone, so a child in this case, wants to get help, mental help from a professional, from a professional to help them not side with gender dysphoria. So they're well, uncomfortable. Should, we should clarify, like, yeah. you know, I've talked to people who who help kids in that situation. Mm-hmm. Nobody calls it conversion therapy. Nobody right, uses that right. word. It's not, it's, that's not what it is. What it is, is... Um, compassionate, counseling. voluntary counseling and care that really has, like like all mental health counseling, it has the client's goals first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And so when young people are saying that they want to bring their uh, their sexual identity or their gender identity into accordance with their deeply held beliefs, their religious beliefs or whatever, then a counselor should be able to do that. Right. And, and that is what, um, what that bill, the so-called conversion therapy ban, yes. makes illegal. And it was interesting because on the floor, several Republicans actually pointed out that, quote, gender affirming care is actually a form of conversion therapy in its in and of itself. And so yeah. if, if we're banning conversion therapy, if we're banning counseling that detracts you from accepting that, then I guess what we should actually also be banning gender affirming care. And the right? really big difference there, Grace, <laughs> is how 
what so-called gender affirming care is, is it is all not always, but it is frequently either medication mm-hmm. or surgery. So things that irreversible are irreversible. Yeah. Damage. And, and, and the medication, it's not like you just get off of it and you're, no. you're good. You're back to no. square one. No, the these the puberty blockers and as well as the cross sex hormones, both of them can have uh, irreversible lifelong effects when minors take them. And of course, the surgeries, uh, obviously, I don't need to, uh, I don't need to even go into how those can be life changing and irreversible. So right. that would be the difference to what we're talking about when we talk about compassionate counseling for mm-hmm. people who have unwanted same sex attraction, which we're talking about voluntary yeah, talk therapy. Willingly going yeah. and asking for that. Yeah. Now that's illegal for minors Literally in going, our state. Going, going to yep. therapy, which is supposed to be the best thing in our culture. Like everyone, we live in like a therapeutic yes. culture. Uh, that's a rant for another time. But anyway, but let me there's such a big you, flipping difference between these <laughs> yes. things. And I hate when people uh, conflate them. Yeah. And, and the other thing is it's what's really annoying is that counselors work for you. I mean, if you're going to get counseling, you're going to go to if you're a Christian, you're going to go to a Christian counselor because you want to be counseled by someone who holds your values. And so this is really saying, oh, they don't actually work for you. No, Minnesota is actually setting the agenda here. So making it so that minors can only get people that are going to counsel them to mutilate their bodies. That's terrible. And it really is a money thing, unfortunately, because they make a lot of money off of this. But that's the whole background, guys. Don't want to get too stuck in the weeds. That's the background. That's what happened. What did Children's Minnesota do in light of this? Well. They decided to tweet out a nice little affirming tweet. Here we go. Let's read it. It says, we are proud of Minnesota. At Governor Tim Wall signed two bills into law that will help protect, support, and care for LGBTQ plus youth. Two of our hashtag kid experts were invited to witness the signing of the bills that will ban conversion therapy and make Minnesota a refuge state for transgender people. No, thank you. So really what they did is they tweeted that out. They said again that these bills are going to protect, support, and care for Minnesota's children. What a bunch of lies. What a bunch of lies. So I just, the main thing that I find interesting about all this, you guys, is the fact that they're acting like this is so mainstream and this is so supportive. And look at us. We're such heroes in our state. Well, guess what happened, you guys? They tweeted tweeted this out and about like 90% of the comments, the only comments I saw, and I was scrolling for a long time, were negative responses from concerned Minnesotans. Mm -hmm. There were so many, so many comments. I'm just going to share a few of them that I think are really get the point home. Um, So many comments that were similar, but really just everyone, all of these all of these parents and other concerned citizens stepping up and saying that they're concerned. One person tweeted in response, how much money will this generate for the hospital? That's a great question. They're going to be making a lot of money off of this. That's definitely a driving incentive. Another user tweeted out, this is so disheartening. You support children being mutilated or given medicines that will harm them forever without parental consent or notification? May God have mercy on our state. These children can't even go on a field trip without a parent's permission or ears pierced. And that right there really is something we talk about so much on the podcast is why are we, why is our state allowing children to undergo irreversible damage without parental notification or consent when they can't do simple, simple things like get a tattoo, get their ears pierced. Like they can't do that. Why? Because kids are so young and they can't consent to things like that when they're young because they will alter their body. And how much more does chopping off healthy parts of their body alter their body than getting your ears pierced? Like mm-hmm. at least your ears ears can get closed back up. You can't regain a healthy organ of your body that you've chopped off. You just can't. Um, 
Another user tweeted out, protect trans kids from hospitals seeking to mutilate and sterilize them for a profit. Will be heartbreaking to see the victims once they are adults. Sue Children's Minnesota for the harm you caused them. No amount of money will fix what you have done. That is so true. We will not be able to go back in history and change this. We're fighting hard to stop it now. But unfortunately, they're going to look back. Our country, our world is going to look back in however many years. And they're going to say, wow, who really thought this up? Who thought that it was fine to mutilate children's bodies right. and thought that that would turn out okay? I mean, this is going to be a bloody stain upon our nation and our state. Final uh, tweet I want to highlight. Someone tweeted, money over morals for this hospital, I guess. That's the facts right there. It really is. It seems like it really is about money. It seems like they don't care about morality. Um, and so I think, let's see, is there anything else I want to highlight from this story? There's – so one of the pediatricians who works – he's – she – Sorry, she is the director of the gender health program. That's what it's called, gender health program at Children's Minnesota. And these are some lines from a TED Talk that she gave in, in September of 2020. I just want to share so that you know what the director believes about transgenderism. We talked about this before on the podcast briefly, I think like multiple podcasts ago, maybe months ago. But I just want to highlight some of these things because this the director, this is the person that will be overseeing all these things, counseling these children, thinks that children as young as three can know they are transgender. And she says, quote, it shouldn't surprise you that some transgender kids are claiming their identities as young as three and four years old. They know the categories. They know how they should feel inside based on their anatomy. And they also know the way that they see themselves doesn't line up with other people's expectations. From as young... From as young as some kids can talk, they're explaining to their parents the truth about their identities. To which I say, if kids are coming and telling their parents, I think I'm a boy when they're actually born, when they actually are a biological girl, that actually shows a bad, that's like a bad sign of the parenting they've received and the people that they're around. Because kids on their own aren't just like, oh, I'm a different gender. They don't think that unless they're indoctrinated to think that. Mm -hmm. That's not normal. And if that ever does happen, that's a sign of something being severely wrong. Yeah. Like, like we've, we've talked, I think, a little yes. bit on the podcast how kids who exhibit signs of gender dysphoria are more likely to be autistic. So mm -hmm. maybe there's something going on, like some some sort of disorder in which they're they're just not being very well socialized in the sense of they're not relating to other other boys or other girls. So they they are feeling that discomfort because of not because that they are fundamentally on some level a member of the opposite sex, but because of that other disorder that's keeping them mm -hmm. from from being uh, at this time in their lives socially well adjusted. So like can't we talk about that being the cause instead or and and treating that which is the root cause mm -hmm. i think in a lot of cases mm -hmm. um uh, as opposed to uh the the mutilation yep. uh, that we've talked about so many times so we're talking about holistic healthcare here what moses said is so so important let's treat what's causing this let's not just treat all the symptoms um and so a lot of times especially girls that are struggling with gender dysphoria they're not actually they don't actually think that they're a boy and neither will transitioning actually help them in any way. They're usually struggling with other things like anorexia, body dysmorphia, things like that, which is very common for teenage girls. And so really doing something completely different and trying to help them isn't going to help them at all. And so um, I just want to highlight a few other things before we move on because we are coming to the close of our podcast episode. Um, Moses, if we have time, we can share that final story or we can just jump right in to share what we're reading this week. Let's but, skip that for today. Okay. We'll so, put that in the show notes. Sounds uh, Something good. you guys can check out. Sounds good. We will. Um, so just the bottom line here is that this health program, quote unquote, health program for children here in Minnesota provides puberty blockers. It provides cross-sex hormones and menstrual, menstrual suppression drugs to children. This is what they do, you guys. Um, 
that director, the director, she has received the Queer Spaces Collective Inaugural Youth Champion Award for, quote, being a steadfast advocate for the health and well-being of LGBTQ plus youth and families, et cetera, et cetera, which, again, we know all euphemisms. This does not help children. This is all about virtue signaling and, unfortunately, money. So let's keep an eye on what they are doing um, and continue to speak up about the truth about how God made our bodies and about what children deserve because every child deserves to turn 18 without having a body that has been irreversibly damaged and mutilated. So Moses, um, quickly, I'm going to ask you what you're reading. Are you reading anything new this week or is it the same stuff as last week? You know, actually, it pretty much is the same books as last week. Cool. Um, same for me. So okay, well, we'll, yep. we'll keep you guys updated. Uh, if uh, I actually, I just finished a book, but I haven't picked up anything new yet. So uh, we'll, um, I, I guess this segment will be more interesting next week. <laughs> That's good. So let's go ahead and go to my favorite section of the podcast that we just started, where we share a verse that we've been thinking about, a verse that will hopefully be encouraging to you amidst the darkness that does pervade our state. Um, we know that if we're faithful, that's that's all really we can do. We can be faithful and we can hope and trust and pray and wait. And so Moses, go ahead and give us our closing exhortation. So um, I'm going to read a verse, a couple of verses from the end of John 6. Mm. And this is a, a time when Jesus has told his disciples some really, really, really difficult things for them to hear. Um, uh, short version, you can't be saved by following uh, Jewish law and you have to be born again. And, uh, and uh, verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. For there is, But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who were... Who, uh, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted mm -hmm. him by the Father. And this, I want to really focus on these verses. Mm -hmm. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So... We, there's this moment where Jesus asks the twelve, "If if everyone else leaves, will you also mm -hmm. leave?" And and Peter says, um, "No, you have the words of eternal life." Now, of course, Peter is the one who who uh, denies Jesus three times, but who um, who is even even after that brought back into uh, into um, into Christ's. Uh, family, uh, just as we are, even when we sin and sin and sin again and again. And just this, what, what Peter recognizes there is so true. Mm -hmm. However hard the things of Jesus, Jesus says some hard things. That's, that's, that's hard to get out of. We can't avoid that. And yet, where else would we go? For Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life, the, the things, the, the message that changes all our lives, the gospel, that um, that we can be saved by trusting him, following him. Mm -hmm. And that is just, someone shared that verse with me when I was in an extremely dark place in my life, and it is probably, you shared kind of your favorite verse last week, and I think that, that would, this would be one mm -hmm. of my favorite verses in the Bible. Lord, to whom will we go for you have the words of eternal life? 
Guys, thank you so much for watching or listening to the Family Weekend podcast this week. A little bit of a longer episode, but thank you for staying with us. Remember, as Grace said at the beginning, follow us on social media to get uh, critical updates. And if you don't get our email updates, uh, you're missing out. Go to mfc.org forward slash subscribe. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth. Thank you.